breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Oh, I have to talk now? Yeah, my bad. Sorry. It's time. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. He'll be back with us on Monday. He's uh, making a little family deal that they're they're doing. He's about to send his daughter and wife to South Africa. South Africa. To pick up their grandbaby. Yeah. But Huge they, deal. Yes. But they may have to be there. I know, I know his wife's going to be there a month. His daughter may have to be there for uh, four months. Several months, yeah. Finalize the process. So it's a very exciting day for him. They're flying out today. Uh, he was driving over there with his uh, wife and mom, right, to get a uh, wife on the plane. And um, God, it's a, like, what do you say, like a fourteen-hour flight or something crazy, like that? Something like that. <laughs> Ruben, I'm sitting over here. I don't know if you see the steam coming out of my eyes or not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no. I, haven't, um, I haven't said anything. I didn't want to trigger you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to get to the other deal I told you about in the next segment with regard to uh, dogs and pets. But I'm driving. I'm tooling down Uri Drive yesterday, headed south, um, right about uh, let's say Olive, something like that. Okay. And there's a, a black Honda Accord in front of me. It had temporary tags. Couldn't quite get close enough to it. And all of a sudden, at about where we got to Stoner or Olive, right in that area, out the window flies a bunch of junk. Oh, no. Chicken bones, paper <laughs> towel, uh, looked like a cup of some sort. Just just fling, fling, flinged it? Is that a word? Flung. Flung? Oh, yeah. Flung it. Okay, yeah, past tense. <laughs> I do have a college degree. Um, he flinged it out the window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right onto the right onto the Yuri Drive. <sighs> um, I got close enough to take a picture of the car, but you, it, he had temporary tags on this black Honda Accord. Yeah, it was a young man driving. I later was able to pass him, and it was a young man driving who was talking on his phone. I guess he'd just been eating his chicken. Yeah, <laughs> and then he threw it out the window. Decided to chunk it out the window. Yeah, right on to Yuri Drive. I mean, the and bones are one thing, I guess. I guess, yeah. I, guess the, I guess maybe the bones are okay, but the, the paper... No, what the, if a dog got it? Eh, what if a stray maybe, dog yeah. is wandering around and picks it up? Yeah, yeah, That could that. kill a dog, couldn't it? Yeah. Or a cat. And you know that's who's going to find it. Right, is, is some kind of stray. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand the thinking. And and I really... And, and this, is, this is me being... Um, Overly sensitive. I was worried that if me posting his picture, I'm now a Karen. You know, I'm now <laughs> ratting him out and why are you doing that? But I think if more of us did that, this nonsense would stop. Now, we have Sheriff Prater joining us in studio at 7 o'clock. He's yes. going to guest host. Yes. And I'm told he's got like a hotline you can call 
and you can send a picture of the car. That's right. He told us about that. And I'm going to ask him about that because if you zoom in on this picture, you may, I don't know, you can look on my Facebook page, um, the, the Aaron McCarty Facebook page, and see if you can zoom in. But it's a temporary. How many Honda Accords have a temporary tag right. in Shreveport? Right. It must have just been sold, I guess. I don't know. We probably can find out who this is. Probably. Probably. And I witnessed him throw chicken bones out his freaking window. Yeah. Yeah. Chicken I watched bo- chicken it. Chicken bones and trash. Yeah. Just no, didn't give a rip about who's going to come behind you and pick that up. It's really sad, you know, that people just don't give a damn like that. You I'm, know, I'm going to ask the sheriff. Here's what I want the sheriff to do. I want the sheriff to enact a law that once a month... The people that are guilty of this, I don't think this law has a chance, but I'm going to try it. Once <laughs> I don't a think mo- sheriffs can enact laws. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, maybe. Uh, also, but. Once a month, you can, you can, we'll publish a list of everybody that's been convicted of throwing trash out their window. And then you can pick a house and you can go to their house and you can dump chicken bones in the middle of their living room. <laughs> I think that's a good law. Just dump, yeah, just bring, just bring the trash you're taking out to their house. And dump it dump, in the middle of their in, living room. Dump it in their living room. Say, see you later. <laughs> I guess it's you to clean it up. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Good law, huh, Ruben? I, you know what? I don't think that's too bad. Maybe they won't dump trash out their car window yeah. anymore. Maybe just, to, you know, sentence them to, you know, I know. The, this this week. Your, your neighbor gets to dump all their trash in, in your house. Right. Yes. That's what your <laughs> sentence is. Your, your, are, are on top of your car. Right. Or on your car seat. Yeah. That would be even better. God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Think about that cane sauce on your car Ugh. seat. How good would that Ugh. be the next day? Yeah. No. Ugh. Yuck. But I it, just, it, he was a young man. He was probably no way near 30. Um could have been you know 19 i don't know i couldn't really tell but i thought am i being a karen by publishing his pictures that was that no, going too far I, I think i think certain things are all right to be a karen about okay certain things certain. <laughs> <laughs> this I, is and, one and of I think them littering is one of them yeah, yeah i just i just don't get the mentality i don't get how you were raised that you think that's okay that you can just toss things out the window yeah and the thing is it may kill a dog or cat it could. Chicken bones might kill a stray dog out there if they pick that up and start chowing down on it. Or or even a possum who gets it. Sure. Possums aren't <laughs> supposed to eat chicken bones, are they? I think possums can eat just about anything. Yeah, you got a point. You got a point. They're a crazy animal. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you can see this guy's picture on my Facebook page. It's just, it's just frustrating. It's just sad. It is. It really is sad. Very sad. Uh, coming up at 640, Mayor Tom Arsenault joins us. Did he veto the smoking ordinance? If he didn't, why not? We will ask him that very question. And don't forget, coming up at 7, we'll have uh, Steve Prater, sheriff, right here in the studio, guest hosting for two hours. This will be fun. <laughs> this could be, get fun. If you have questions for him, put him on the Shreveport Security System Security Systems message board right now. 101.
101.7 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is off today. He's off to Dallas. So As you can the, tell, he normally loads the uh, sports. Yeah, so we, <laughs> and we, I forgot we'll fix the, the sports. We'll, we'll fix the right one. That was the <laughs> yeah, uh, old sports. So Tim's got the, uh, the NBA score and all that good stuff. That's all coming up. Uh, in the next hour, got uh, Mayor Tom Arsenault at six forty yes. uh, on the veto of the casino smoking ban. Huge news, mm-hmm. Ruben. Um, I, I gave you some ramen noodles. Yeah. Did oh you, yeah. Are I've, they gone already? Yeah. I I forgot to bring them. Actually, oh. they're still sitting over here. Okay. So So they're they're all still here, but probably by the end of the weekend they'll all be gone. Be gone. <laughs> um, my oldest son has been home for you know four or five years now, and he's now gone. And he was living with me the last four years or whatever, and um, he he liked ramen noodles, and (laughs) he left a case of them, so I gave them to you. A literal case. I also have to bring you something else he left at the house. It's a big bag of these protein powder. Okay. And you look on it, and it says weight gain protein powder. Yeah. Which... I don't need that. No, I'm no. good. <laughs> people, people like us definitely don't need that. I have a, I have an incredibly large athlete kid. Uh, oh yeah, he, who, it, uh, it adds muscle. This is this protein. Yeah, yeah. He, he would love that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll make sure that gets to him. Throw for sure. in some milk, and I just realized my grocery budget is gonna plummet. Yes, <laughs> I'm looking in my fridge, and I'm like, I've got enough food to last me two months. Right, I won't it's, have to shop. <laughs> I have two gallons of milk. I have a 36 count of eggs. I have two big loaves of um, oat, nut, whatever bread. Oh I, have, I have all kind of fruits and veggies. I have a, a pile of bananas still. I would buy 10 bananas a week. They would not last four days. Right, right. <laughs> and I would eat maybe two. And then they would be gone. Then they're gone. I still have bananas. Oh, wow. I'm really stoked. Yeah. I'm really I'm, now they're they're actually starting to turn a little, you know, tinginess. You're gonna have to make pudding. <laughs> Which we never I never had bananas turn colors before because they didn't last <laughs> they long last. enough. <laughs> they would be gone. He would he would make a protein shake at least twice a day with that muscle bound stuff. And he would throw whatever fruit was there. If there was a banana there, he'd throw that in. He'd Absolutely. throw greens in, he'd throw whatever. And he would drink a couple of those things a day. He was, he, he literally, I'm talking like he's dead. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally, you know, maybe 5% body fat. I don't, right. know, I'm not sure. No, he's, but uh... he's on a, he's on quite an adventure. And I told you something earlier this morning, and we have time now. Because um, yesterday was, um, was um, day kind of day one where we'll see how, how we all adjust and all right. that. And, right. and I have his dog who, who is a real gentle, sweet pit bull. Right. He can be mean. If you get too close to me, you get around my house and he doesn't like you there, he's going to... They're very protective. He's going to sound like a killer. And he could be. I mean, he has done some things, you know, in the past that um, it it will scare you. But he's my little baby. Well, he's not mine. He's my son's. Right. But I'm now his primary caregiver. And we got to, we got to the end of the day yesterday at about 6 or 7 o'clock and i was having my supper he had his supper we I let him out for a little while um and then he goes to the top of the stairs where he can see out you know to the to the whole neighborhood right and he's looking out and i could tell he's waiting for daddy you know he's waiting for daddy to come home 
And I don't say the word daddy because he, he knows the he word. Knows that yeah, word. and he would run to the door and all that. And, and I thought, well, I'm not going to upset him. Mm. And then he started to whine. Oh, no. Um, started this. And I thought maybe he was seeing some dogs outside. So I opened the front door and I looked and there's no dogs. And he keeps it up mm. at the top mm. of the stairs. And I am thinking, and I'm in my bedroom. I'm not too far away. And I'm thinking, oh, and my door was open. He was free to come into my room if he wanted. He was, you know, we snuggle quite often. Right. Um, he loves me too, He, but he loves daddy more. This whining went on for a couple of hours. Oh, no. About two hours. And at this point, I'm texting my, you know, my son. And I don't want to bother my son with it. But, you know, if you leave a baby with a new sitter, you want to check in to see how's your baby doing, right? Yes. But you don't want to ruin mom and dad's date if they're out on a date. You don't want to ruin the date, say your kid's here whining. So I was hesitant to say anything to him. But I ultimately did. But I did it after... After about two hours, he came into my room and he hopped up on the bed with me and we just cuddled. We just snuggled. I pet him. I loved on him a ton. And he settled down and he was okay. Good. And um, so I texted my son. I said, he's adjusting. It was, it's been a little bit of a different thing for him. And, uh, but he's doing good. Um, it's going to be changed for him. And I yeah, wonder how long it's, it's going to go on. And it's weird. Dogs, dogs know when there's a shift, you know. How? D- yeah, they, they always know when some something drastic has changed, and it takes them a minute to adjust to it. And it would, I mean, he would go. You know, my son would go travel. You know, before and he'd be gone for a night or two, but he knew this time this was kind of this was different. This is different, right? I don't understand that. I really don't. They just they 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 have an extra sense to where you don't really have to tell them. You know yeah. what's going on. They just kind of know. Right, they and, just, and you know, like, like they know when you're sick. They know it. Like yeah. it's, it's. They know when the sh- a shift has happened. Th- this will, and I don't know if I've told you this story, but when I had my my first the the shoulder surgery, and I had and I had the sling on. You knew that was like six weeks. I had the sling on, and I'd be sitting on the couch in the living room, and. And this is going to tell you how out of shape and old I am. But I would be, I'd put the legs down on the the lazy boy part of the sofa and right. to, to get up, to go to the kitchen or do whatever I had to do. And I would have to get this little rocking motion going to get up because I right. can't use one arm. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm completely, and usually when you get up, you're going to push, you know, push down on the sofa and get up unless you have really strong legs and you can just stand, <laughs> stand up like up. normal humans. Um, and I couldn't do that. Reuben, he would come over, and he would let me wrap my legs around him, and then he would back up to pull me up. Wow. He knew I was struggling. That you had a problem standing up. Yes. So he would let me wrap my, I'd wrap my legs around, he's facing me, I'd wrap my legs up under his his front paws, and then as my legs are crossed underneath him, he would take like four steps back. Huh. Pull me right out of the damn chair. He's helping you up. He knew I was sick. He knew I was hurting and I couldn't get up. And he was helping me up. He even wow. came over to the chair the other day to do it, to looking at me like, do you need help today? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I got both arms. I'm good. But I look, but I even wrapped my legs around him just to see if he would still do it. And he still did it. That's amazing. That's it, amazing. They, they just have a sense about them. They know 
kind of what's going on around them and what they need to do to help. Absolutely. It's the most bizarre. And I may be Im- imagining things. I could be, you know, <laughs> I trapped him with my legs. And right. He, didn't, he was trying to get out of it. <laughs> you know? That could very well be it. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Trying to escape. But for me, it was like, he's helping me up. But he is he's going to be good to have around. Now, he, we did put some, we have a monster teddy bear that's almost your size. And his daddy slept with it for about uh, two weeks. I said, you need to sleep with Teddy Bo. We call him Teddy Bo because the dog's name is Bo. So his daddy slept with Teddy Bo for a couple of weeks so that it would have his smell all over it. Wow. And then I got home and his daddy had tied a couple of his socks, his dirty socks around Teddy (laughs) Bo's feet so that he's got the smell of him. So he lays up there with Teddy Bo and they snuggle and he's pretending right now that Teddy Bo is his daddy. So... Uh, that's very sweet. But we're adjusting. I'll I'll take a picture and put Teddy Bow up on on Facebook tomorrow. So or one t- Monday maybe we'll see. Uh, Mayor Tom Arsenault. Sorry, my long story about the dog. But yeah, he's okay now. He's doing fine. Good, he's adjusted. Good. Yeah. Uh, Mayor Tom Arsenault joining us at six forty. We're going to talk more about the whether or not he vetoed the smoking ban. Why not? And uh, his reasoning behind that. That's coming up. One zero one seven FM. Seven FM, seven ten. Keel, Mike, and McCarty. Mike is out today. He'll be back with us on Monday. Yes. What does he do? A three day work week now? Is that what it is? Did I not get that deal? Yeah, I don't get that deal. I don't get that deal either. He's yelling at the radio if he's listening because yeah, he no. he's like, "You take more dang vacation." <laughs> I got a pretty good vacation coming up. I'm going to do a um, I'm going to do a ten day cruise. Ooh. Um, from New York to puerto rico i think there's four stops in route i'm looking forward to that that's going to be a blast oh, absolutely that's and gonna be um, crazy. i haven't done a uh, i've never been on a cruise before so if you uh if you have my number or if you can send me a what is it jump into my dms or put on my facebook page like cruising tips oh yeah and it's i, I, I got none i've never been on a i'm cruise. sad to admit reuben we might have to edit this out of the network feed all I'm looking for is ways to smuggle booze on the ship. <laughs> because I don't want to buy the $59 a day, you know, alcohol package. I don't drink that much alcohol. Oh, $59 a day? Yeah, $59 bucks a day. No, and it's all you can no, drink. No, no. You know, it's, that's more than the cruise cost. Absolutely. And no. yeah. um, I got a good deal on the cruise, by the way. But I, um, so I'm, I'm looking for, you know, they make umbrellas that are flasks. Yes. Uh, I, there's there's lots of uh, fun novelty disguise flask things. There are, yeah. There and here, this is probably not appropriate for the radio. So there are, let's just say, feminine hygiene products <laughs> that are flasks. <laughs> but if you were to look at me, wouldn't they go? You don't need those. <laughs> wouldn't that be kind of a tell? Uh, they they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to ask. So you oh, know. they couldn't. Yeah, no, they you're couldn't right. ask you. No. 
That would be, yeah, that would be offensive. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. <laughs> anyway, I thought about that too, but I thought, oh, they're going to ask me how old I am and yeah. Yeah, whatever. They'll know how old I am. I'm sure they've already researched everybody that's getting on board. Anyway, Mayor Tom Arsenault is going to join us next. We're going to talk about the smoking veto, uh, whether or not he's vetoing the ordinance. Uh, he'll explain his reasoning for not because he decided not to, and he'll tell us exactly why. That's next, right? One zero one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is out today. He'll be back with us on Monday. Coming up at uh, seven o'clock, we'll have Sheriff Steve Prater in studio, guest hosting. That should be interesting. Right now, we have uh, Mayor Tom Arsenault joining us on the uh, Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. You issued a statement that you were not going to veto the smoking ban the lifting of the smoking um ban in the Shreveport casinos first off tell us why and and what went into making the decision well the biggest uh the biggest decision making part of it was that uh, there are five five votes on the council to override any veto and so it it would not have been a successful event um I have great reservations about the about the ordinance, and I kind of laid those out and uh, requested that the uh, and I'll be watching what the casinos do to see whether they fulfill their part of uh, what they said they would do in the event this was passed. Did you look at the um, the casino revenues? And and I mean, you heard everybody say. Oh, this has hurt our our Shreveport casinos. Others say no, it did not. Did you actually get the numbers yourself and crunch them? And what did you find? I did get the numbers uh, myself. Uh, basic, you know, my, the numbers that I gathered were the re- revenues that the city receives from both uh, both of the casinos. And uh, in the month, in the month right after. The uh, the ban went into effect, which was August first of twenty twenty one. Their revenues dropped about thirty five percent, at least based on based on what the city was receiving from the casinos. Their revenues dropped sixty five uh, dropped by thirty five percent. They recovered a little bit. If you compare the latest number I had was for March of this year. If you compare March of this year to July of 2021 when the the ban the last time the ban was not in effect uh they're still down about 17 percent but 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 did you so check the bozier numbers but real... i mean because because they could have all of them could be down and you know what i mean it couldn't be just smo- attached to smoking you follow yeah but the easiest thing to do for me was to check those numbers i i don't i do not think that the the initial drop had to do with anything with smoking because nothing else had changed by then. Okay. You are going to watch the numbers. And if you don't see the numbers go up at Sam's Town and Bally's, what then? Uh, I may well propose the smoking man to go back because that's where that that's where the the fallacy would be. Okay. Did you meet with the American Heart Association, American Cancer Society and all those folks to hear their side of the story before you made your decision? I did not because they made excellent presentations in front of the council and provided me with lots of written material to read. Okay. Um, 
do you think I consider their viewpoint seriously? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a reformed smoker, so uh, I'm uh, I'm not likely to get on any of the uh, get on any of the places uh, where there's uh, smoking permitted. Right now, what do you know? With have you talked to Bally's Samstown where they're going to allow smoking? They can allow it now in seventy five percent of the gambling areas only. Where are they going to allow it? Do you know? What they told me, and yes, I met with them. What they told me was that there were uh, that they're planning to have a room, not a room, but a a, a floor of the machines because what the, the concerns that I had were, as expressed in the statement, number one, uh, are there going to be places where non-smoking employees can work in the non-smoking area? Uh, I was disappointed in that answer because uh, some of the people that receive tips are dealers and, and people who work the tables. Mm-hmm. And as of now, the tables will only be in smoking areas. They will not be in non-smoking areas. So mm-hmm. what will be in the non-smoking areas is going to be just machines. Mayor, let me tell you something, because I play a little poker, and I do play mm-hmm. at the local casinos. The poker rooms are smoke-free. They've been they're smoke free in Bozier. They're smoke free in Shreveport. To to play poker, you have to step outside the the poker room to smoke. And so the so the logic of this is like you don't want these folks smoking in the poker room, but they can step right outside. Now they're indoors still, but right outside right. where and so it, it the logic of it to me is like you know it's not good. So I don't understand right. why they don't. And, and do you hope Bozier enacts a, a measure to do this? I, you know, I think the best thing for the community would be if, if each each side of the river would ad- adopt the same set of regulations and make the casinos non-smoking. And that, you know, you don't... I think part of the, part of the problem with this one was there was no impetus left for Bossier because the, the non-smoking part in Shreveport was not contingent on Bossier doing something. Mm. And uh, one of the things that I suggested in my statement is that you could make, you could do ordinances on each side that would be conditioned in, in their effectiveness on the adoption by the other side of the same set of ordinances. Um, if we're not going to have a statewide ban, which the, to me the best the best solution yeah. because we're dealing with the health of people across the state. Uh, then it would be better if Bozier and, and Shreveport enacted the same regulatory scheme so that neither side had a comparative advantage. I have not talked to anybody at Bozier. I do not know what efforts have been made on the east side of the river to try and bring this about, but it seems to me that that's where the people who want to create non-smoking, that, that is where the pressure ought to be is on now on both sides of the river to adopt a non-smoking ordinance that so that all of the facilities are on an equal playing field. Recent trip to Destin, Florida, I saw multiple billboards on the Mississippi Gulf Coast in route. Smoke-free casino, come gamble with us. We're a smoke-free casino. Disappointed that the two Shreveport casinos didn't market that and, and try to attract the gamblers who don't want to gamble among smokers? Uh, very much. I, I, if you take the 
the, the statistical information, at, at least a majority, maybe as many as 75% of the customers at these casinos are non-smokers. And uh, based on my experience, at least my own personal viewpoint, I do not like to go where there is smoking permitted. And I would think that, that the thing to do would be to appeal to the 75% instead of to giving in to the 25%. And I, I expressed that viewpoint to, uh, to the casinos that it seemed to me that they missed a bet uh, by, by not promoting the smoke-free as something positive, particularly if you're trying to attract families. Do you anticipate bars will come forward now and go, "Hey, we want we want the same that we want this too"? I think that's a little bit of a different circumstance. They were they were they were had been under the uh, the circumstances the the same. The Bozier bars, uh, Bozier bars are uh, in the same boat that, that ours are, and that's that's one I would have to draw the line at. Gotcha, Mayor Tom Arsenault. Thanks for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks mm-hmm. for having me. You bet. 1017 FM. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. Uh, Sheriff Steve Prater will join us in studio. Yes. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so. We will have him right there, his booty, and he can pick whatever chair he wants. Any chair he wants. Yeah. Pick a chair, any chair. Yeah, it'll be the hot seat, <laughs> that's for sure. We're always happy to have the sheriff in. So, uh, did you figure out yesterday when the smoking will commence? In the It's commenced. It, it is already commenced. Yeah, it is commenced. I did call a friend of mine who was up there yesterday at uh, Bally's uh, in the poker room, which is on the third floor, and I was told that the third floor will be smoke-free. And um, only, only the, the, the third, third floor. floor, and there are a lot of slot machines up there. But the blackjack tables, the roulette, the craps table, they're all on the second floor, I believe. Okay. Um, and so those will be smoking tables. So, But if I go play poker, um, it'll be a smoke-free floor. But again, the folks with the American Cancer Society, they'll tell you the ventilation, you can have a, the best ventilation system in the world. Right. If they're smoking below you. Um, you're going to still smell it. So I, yeah. we'll see. I'll try it out and, and try to figure out, you know, what's going on. I just found something, and I'm so sorry I haven't told you about this before. I'm very negligent in looking at some of our Seize the Deal specials, and I'm not doing this because the, the boss didn't tell me. I just ran into this and went, holy cow, this is incredible. If you want a season pass... <laughs> To Splash Kingdom. A season pass. Season pass. That's all summer. Yeah. It says um, you want a pass that will get you daily admission to the fun that is summer at Splash Kingdom. It's 29 bucks. Whoa. <laughs> Wait. It's $30 for all summer long? That's what it looks like. All, all you can slip, slide, and swim? Yes. It's uh, available Jeez. for um, the Splash Kingdom pass right here in Shreveport. Um, twenty nine fifty is the price. That is an incredible price. I think that's, that's du- pretty amazing. It's more than double that normally. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, yeah, I would have to assume. If you want passes for the kids, for the family, for Splash Kingdom, you really need to snap these up because I'm afraid they probably will sell out. 
Um, I'm not sure. Oh, absolutely. But especially that, now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I just did that, and you're just you're just like scrambling, yeah. scrambling for your wallet. But yeah, twenty nine. That's the cheapest I've seen them ever. Oh God, yeah. Even if you'd buy them at Brookshire's or somewhere else, I don't think I've ever seen them for under thirty bucks for I mean, the if, season. So if, if you go once a month, that's that's way more than you're getting. Yeah. Way more than your money's worth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's an incredible deal. You know, you're going to get free parking, free inner tubes. Anyway, Splash Kingdom's a great place for the family. Just a great deal. Seize the absolutely. deal. Look on the Keel website and get all the deets. One hundred one seven FM seven. One zero one seven FM, seven ten. Keel, Mike, and McCarty. Mike is out. Sheriff Steve Prater has graciously agreed to let me chain him to the chair for two hours. And it's going to be tough. I, I want. Do you? You're dressed in your sheriff sheriff and outfit today, right? Right. I, I, it's easy to pick this out because <laughs> I don't do colors well, <laughs> and, and so uh, that's why I wear the uniform all the time. Are you colorblind? No, I'm okay. not colorblind, but I'm. Um, Mismatch uh, your clothes? Right. I don't know what goes You're with what. You're a kindergartner. Okay. I didn't yeah, realize that. I've never that. really cared that much about clothes. I'm not your GQ kind of <laughs> person. Do you have your handcuffs with you? No, I don't. You don't? Because they, they hang off your belt and they get in the way, so I put them on if I go somewhere, if I might need them. Okay. Because uh, I try not to do the heavy lifting. Right. I got, <laughs> I got folks that do the heavy lifting for me, but every now and then I get in a bind and have to do something. You formally announced your run, run for re-election this week. Yes, I did. Um, yes. You, you've been sheriff like 800 years? 803 now. Okay. And uh, and so uh, I want to keep doing it. I think now's a perfect time. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk more about that throughout the show, but but I really wanted you to you bring your handcuffs because I want this cat arrested. I'm tooling down Uri Drive the okay. other day. It was yesterday, actually, right there near Olive, somewhere in there. And this cat in a black Honda Accord, temporary license tag, um, tosses chicken bones out the window and some trash, a cup and some other trash. And I thought, we have got to do better. And so I want him locked up. I want you to go arrest him. I want like a, not a life sentence, but like a, you know, 20 years. Can we work on that? Aren't we, you glad you came in, that. Sheriff? <laughs> I am glad. We, I am glad. And, uh, and I heard you talking about it earlier, and I looked at the picture. And I hated to tell you, but Mike just got one, a car exactly like that. <laughs> Do you think it could have been him? Did it look like him? No, it was not him. It, it, it was a young man um that he was when i passed him up he moved over to the right lane and i passed him on the left and i looked at i just kind of glared at him and he was a young man who was talking on a holding his cell phone talking on the cell phone with his right hand and he had tossed the chicken bones and stuff out with his left hand i guess he was driving with his knees i'm not sure right but i i put it on my facebook last night and people commented that you have some sort of hotline I can call. Right, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a, a deal we call the Go Green line, and that's you just call Go Green, and of course you can figure out the numbers from mm-hmm. the letters, and and you report it. It's a recording. We'll take the information. We'll take the location, the vehicle description, uh, the description of the person and the car, and we will send a letter, 
and I'll sign them personally, and, and my PO will draft them up and say, this vehicle was seen such and such a place and such and such doing this, throwing chicken bones out. Uh, if you know anything about this, please instruct the driver that this is an illegal activity. In other words, it's not accusatory because we don't know. You might have loaned that car to somebody else. You might have sold mm. it. In other words, we can't say, hey, you dumb whatever don't be throwing chicken bones out right. so it's uh it's a way to to try to encourage some good behavior it's uh okay. it's, it's about it, what we can do when you see something let me take it a step further i want i want you to work on with your political muscle that you have because okay. you have a lot of political muscle i want a new law enacted so right. that i can go to this duty head's house <laughs> After he's convicted of throwing trash on the highway, and I can dump a bag of trash in his living room. That's the <laughs> law I would like enacted. Can we make that happen? Well, I don't know, but if you can figure out where he lives and say 3 o'clock in the morning and he doesn't have a ring doorbell, won't you just go ahead and do it? Because <laughs> uh. then you'll come arrest me. Well, if he doesn't have any evidence against you doing oh. it, kind of like you and him. I mean, yeah. if he, wear a mask. Oh, that's a, a good idea. And then we can't say, well, it sure looks like Aaron, but I don't I, know. I don't know. The, the sheriff is encouraging you. <laughs> hey, I like that. Well, I mean, I'm, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. That's true. That's um, true. But, yeah, that's a horrible thing. It just it just makes you so mad. And it, it's aggravating when you look at the statistics from the Shreveport Police Department and the Caddo Sheriff's Office, and you see the lack of tickets or lack of arrests, but you got to... Take it one step further. Very seldom does somebody litter in front of a marked unit. Right. You can't stop somebody for littering in an unmarked unit. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, you don't see that much of it that's going on out of a marked unit. Plus, when the Shreveport Police is down by 100 and some odd officers, the Sheriff's Office is down by 60 officers, do you want us out on the side of I-49 picking up bits of paper or chicken bones and putting them into evidence, which you would need for the court case? <laughs> and so the truth of the matter is it sounds good, and people say, where are the police when you need them? Why don't the police do something about littering? And as soon as we do something about littering, they say, why are they working on littering and not shootings? Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a tough nut to crack and i just wish people had a little bit of uh, values to them that litter yeah. it's it's just you so do nasty. have you do have a program using jail inmates picking up litter is that true right if they've been sentenced to hard labor and volunteer that's what it requires now mm. then we will take them out because many of them want to get out of the jail setting and if they have not done anything like a violent crime then we will allow them to go out and pick up litter and so it's a win-win for the community it's not really our place to do it uh the Caddo commission and the city of shreveport both re they reimburse us for the overtime of the deputies, and we use part-time deputies mm -hmm. that, that have retired and want to come back and do something to take the few litter crews that we have out. But the truth of the matter is we don't have as many prisoners that we can, quote, trust to to be walking along the, the side of the road. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just, it, it's just not, as, it's not as workable as it used to be. Okay. More with Sheriff Steve Prater on, on my new proposed law that I can go dump my trash in your living room if I see you doing this. We'll talk more about that. We're also going to talk about crime fighting and um, legislation that they're working on in Baton Rouge that I know you're keeping an eye on. It's all coming up.
1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Sheriff Steve Frater is in for Mike, who has decided he's going to work a three-day work week, I guess. That must be nice. Yeah. It must be nice, but uh, knowing Mike like I do, he'll make good use of it. Yes, he will. He uh, he absolutely will. Sheriff Prater, I'm, uh, you and I go back a, a, a minute. Yes, we do. Both started working when we were two. And uh, you were a sergeant at SPD when I think I first met you. Right, um, right. You you have a career in law enforcement that is dates back to how long? When did you first become? When did you first swear in as a police officer? Well, that's 1973. Wow, it's a long time, long oh. time, and uh, it's been a rewarding career. I've learned every day something new. I've been I've been fortunate enough to be on the front end of a profession that has really professionalized if that's the right word Mm -hmm. we have come from um, a profession where there were a lot of things that we should be embarrassed about and i've been at the forefront of leading the profession into something that we're we're proud of our profession now and people should be very proud of of uh of the of the law enforcement community we do a good job northwest louisiana did you grow up here uh, well, I moved here when I was seven years old. Okay, uh, from Tennessee. That's where I was born in Tennessee. Grew up here in <clears throat> in North Highlands, and and uh, went to school, all the public schools, and 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 just earned my way. I got on the Shreveport Police Department in 1973, and uh, I was one of the few people that had any college. They they called me college boy. Oh, did they? And uh, and so I saw some things that really enlightened me uh, and disappointed me about law enforcement at the time in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. We did some things and earned uh, well before that in the fifties and sixties, and I don't know as far back. Oh, we yeah. did some things that earned us a bad reputation, of which we are still trying to work our way out of, even though we have changed. Uh, the reputation follows us, and and we earned it. I mean, when I say we, I'm not talking about Steve Prater, but the law enforcement back years ago, they did a lot of good, and I'm not talking about all of them, but there was some behavior on law enforcement side that was that was shameful, abhorrent, absolutely abhorrent. Yes. Um, you, I, I've never heard you talk about this, so I'm going to ask you point blank. You were a police sergeant when you thought you should be the police chief. Right. How do you how do you how do you have that in your brain that I'm a sergeant? There's there's lieutenants above me. There's uh, all kind of folks above me, but I can lead this department. How do you have that mindset? Well, there were 42 people within and without the police department that applied to be the police chief when I got selected in 1991, and um, I in my mind. I felt like many times, not always, but many times I was underemployed. When you mm-hmm. feel like that some of your supervisors who had some of these 50s and 60s attitudes, when you feel like we can do better than this, guys and girls, we can do much better than this. And I wanted to take that and move forward with it to try to take take the police department up and the law enforcement up a level or two levels or five levels and so i was fortunate enough to get selected by mayor beard at the time who i didn't even know mm-hmm. uh, and how I was, was the, that and this is again inside baseball you didn't know i was going to ask you this today you didn't know anything i was about to ask you today so no, we didn't, uh, we didn't plan <laughs> <laughs> how was the resistance you know, from your lieutenants and your assistant chiefs and everybody that was above you when you come in and you're now the chief 
Right. I jumped around a lot of, I jumped around so many of my supervisors and then all of a sudden I'm the boss. So it was, uh, it was at the time we had a much smaller civil service board. So I ended up demoting an assistant chief and was successful at demoting him. Uh, and I think uh, I was known, well, I was known once I took over, I was known as Terminator Prater oh. because we fired so many officers, probably over a hundred officers. Uh, who are you firing? D- d- who are you looking at to say, you don't belong in this profession? Well, we had one person that, that had been hired uh, that I realized we had hired under an alias. Uh, he uh-uh. wasn't, yeah, and was wanted for some things. We had, <laughs> we had, we had a behavior, uh, it was a systematic behavior. And now keep in mind, there's, there may be people listening that worked with me back then. And there sure. were some fine, dedicated, sure. caring law enforcement. But there were some skunks. Mm. And we had to weed the skunks out, and uh, and we had a good team that went through and did all of that. Uh, had a good good attorneys, good representation, good civil service board. Had some real statesmen and stateswomen, if that's the word, on the civil service board that worked with us to make to come up with a good product. And in my eight and a half years, I think we left a well-oiled machine going with the Shreveport Police. Are there still skunks in law enforcement, and how do you weed them out? now there's still skunks in law enforcement just like there are skunks that paint houses and skunks that are on radio mm-hmm. disc jockeys or and uh and not in this room and <laughs> there's skunks in every profession but our profession is because of our reputation our earned reputation our our skunks are more apparent they're 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 on TV. They're on social media. They're on the you know the media uh, publicizing them. So it makes it look like we're all skunks. Mm. So we have to keep we have to keep the you know we have to keep pulling the plow and doing what we do as professional law enforcement and try to tune out as much clutter as we can, yet listening to enough to where we improve ourselves. More with Steve Prater. Lots of good topics are coming up. One that he doesn't know about that is next. That you're gonna don't you don't want to miss this. One oh one One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. Sheriff Steve Prater has graciously allowed me to chain him to the chair. For two hours, so he'll right, stay. <laughs> right, I'll stay. I'll um, stay. I asked um, Chief Wayne Smith one time. We had a little bonus segment with him, and I asked him, "What is on your final plate?" God comes down. This is a silly question. I'm asking a sheriff, a sitting sheriff, but I'm just curious. God comes down and he says, "Steve, that's how God talks. This is your last meal." This is the last meal you're going to eat, and you're, I'm taking you to heaven with me. What's on Sheriff Steve Prater's plate? Let's start with your protein. What's sitting in the middle of the plate? Uh, there's no doubt about that it would be chicken gizzards. Oh, God, you guys are weird. Uh, okay, okay. You guys are weird. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, chicken gizzards. Second would be lobster. Okay. And then frog legs in there somewhere. You're serious? Yes, yes. 
great police officers and sheriffs eat frog legs, chicken oh, yeah. gizzards. And chicken gizzards. Yeah. <laughs> it, it comes from the midnight shift when you just, uh, when, when things were quiet mm-hmm. and people went to bed at 10 and 12, yeah. you know, before they ran all night long. Uh, we had time to do things like catch catch frogs or rabbits or whatever. And oh, no, wow. I'm, I'm teasing with you about that. But <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I love I, I love I, and and if you think about it, they they all they all have the same kind of texture more or less. Yeah, a, a good chicken gizzard and a frog leg. And Where do you get chicken gizzards in Shreveport, Bossier? You can get them at any chicken joint. Yeah, man, there's really? some good ones. I hate yeah. to. Hate to start naming them, but there's. You'll leave uh, somebody out. But but there's a place, two places on North Market that have great ones. Okay. Uh, and I've got a captain in in my internal affairs sharing pigs, uh, and Captain Pigs and I discuss it every once a week. Have you any good ones this week? And you, and you're really not supposed to eat them that often, probably. But okay, you know, more than two or three times a week. Chicken uh, gizzards. Holy I'm, cow. If I, if you would have told me he's going to say something weird like that, I'd have said no. Chicken gizzards and frog legs. He's got a big steak on the plate. Are you going to have any <laughs> any special veggies or desserts you're going to have to go on as your final meal? Well, the vegetables, as long as it's not green. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like green vegetables. Is a potato a vegetable? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that. A potato? Me a potato. Okay. Uh, something like that. But I do like Brussels sprouts. I like oh, those if they're man. kind of cooked in the oven and not boiled. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I like them. Um, and favorite dessert? Any kind of, anything that's cold. Like ice, ice cream. cream. Okay. Ice cream is good. All right. Uh, chocolate icebox pie, something like that. Those, oh, are all, those are all good. Chicken gizzards, good God. <laughs> but really, I, when it's all said and done, just the gizzards. I don't care about the potatoes as much. I don't care about the fried okra, which is delicious, mm-hmm. but just the gizzards. That is what Wayne yeah. Smith said. So Chief, Chief Wayne just wants a huge pile of frog legs, and he wants a huge pile of chicken gizzards. He said, yeah. "He said, just give me 100 frog legs, and I'm happy. I don't need anything else on the plate. Yep. Wayne, Wayne is, a, he is such a close friend of mine and, oh. and such a good guy. I mean, you're not going to find a better person. If you go to war, if I go to war somewhere, I want Wayne Smith with me. Yeah. Uh, he is a wonderful fella. Yeah, but when y'all go to war, take chicken gizzards and frog legs. <laughs> sure, load up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 101.7 FM. FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. My friend Steve Prater is here. I guess I can consider you a friend. Good. We've known each other for a long time. Um, Lawmakers are wrapping things up in a week. I know you've been watching some of the things they're doing. They're working on a supplemental pay bill for for police officers and firefighters for some increased pay. Um, There is concern about recurring expenses with possibly one-time money. Is what lawmakers are doing, is it going to help you bring in more deputies more and, and, and for the police departments, more police officers, which we desperately need? Well, it helps. Anytime you can go up on the pay, it helps for retention. But our problem is, in addition to the retention problem, because we have people leaving the sheriff's office to go to a city police and the city police to go to the sheriff. So we have some, with this generation, people are subject to switching. So we have a retention problem. But we also have a recruiting problem. And the recruiting problem, it doesn't seem like money is the, the motivator. 
And really, although we try to get the money up, you need motivation by somebody that wants to serve the public, somebody that has a heart for service. And it's more and more difficult to find folks that are willing to do that because of the reputation that I talked about earlier. Because anytime we stub our toe in law enforcement, then it gets all over the media, national. I'm not talking about y'all and, and, and the local station. Northwest Louisiana is very supportive of us. But the national media slams law enforcement so bad. So people will say, why would I get in that profession? And parents say, son or daughter, I don't want y'all to, don't, don't, get, don't do that. My own son, and for instance, Jim Roberts' son, a previous chief, mm-hmm. Wayne Smith's son, all three of our sons joined the fire department. Now, a lot of times when you have a doctor, his son is a doctor, and his mm-hmm. son is a doctor, and it stays in the family. Our three, the three top people here in Shreveport, our sons went to work at fire departments. And my son told me, he said, Dad, I don't want to go in a job where people talk about me like they do you. Now, mm. that's that's funny, and it makes people laugh when I say that in a speech or something, but it's it's kind of sad in a way. It, it really is sad. And, and I have, uh, you know, I have one son in the military. One is back going back in now. And, and his option at, at one point was to become a law enforcement officer. He wanted to get his college degree first. And I asked him, I said, do you think you would be a, a, a police officer here in Shreveport, Bossier, or a Caddo deputy? He said, not interested, not interested in doing that in, in this town because it's, A, it's too dangerous, the, the crime rate's too high, and the reputation of the police officers is so low right now in the mind of the public. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is dangerous. Is there also part of this that the generation that is now coming up to the age that they don't have a, have a view of, I want a job that I can serve the public? Do you think that's part of it, too? We don't have that as much. It doesn't appear to me. We don't have that as much as we used to. The number of recruits that we get that will apply, they don't have that mindset of service as not all of them have it like they used to in the numbers that we used to get. Now, there's still some great ones that apply and get hired by all of the law enforcement agencies in our area. And and back before we go over, before we, you said a minute ago, the reputation of the police is so low in our area. I, I had to kind of challenge that in mm-hmm. a way because we have, we have companies, businesses, neighborhoods that are consistently throwing cookouts and bringing things to the police and the fire. We got a, I'm telling you, Northwest Luciana, the Shreveport Police Department and the Caddo Sheriff's Office and DeSoto Parish Sheriff's Office and the Bossier Sheriff's Office and cities, too, that I didn't mention, Bossier City, all of them, they gen, they, they, we do a good job. We catch people that violate the law more often than not. We have millions of honestly millions of contacts with people get very few complaints sometimes the complaints are justified most many of the millions are not justified the complaints that we get and most of the time people are satisfied with us so the point of the matter is we do have a good reputation i think and get a lot of good support in our area that's a long answer can you do things better though Oh, yes. I put out an 11-point plan. And if we're ever going to do something about violent crime, and some of these are coming to tuition, uh, but this 11-point plan, you've had it on your website Mm -hmm. back in 21, 
and it tells what everybody could do in our community if they really want to get serious about violent crime. And it starts with the law enforcement. We can, if, if anybody in this entire 11 point, whether it be universities, churches, legislature, DA's office, uh, indigent defender's office, judges, if anybody says we're, we're, we're doing the best job that we can, I would challenge that we can all do better law enforcement to begin with. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have to take this bull by the horns if we want to do something about law enforcement, or excuse me, about violent crime. And we're going to have to all do our part and do better than what we're doing. Mm, gotcha. And we can do better. Absolutely. Coming up after 8 o'clock, Dr. Lauren Scott, the state's premier economist, he's going to join us. I'm going to let the sheriff ask him about the debt ceiling bill that just passed in Washington. The president's going to sign it. What does that mean for us? What's it cutting? That's all coming up. we got another segment with the sheriff, though. It's coming up next right here on... One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. We got a couple of minutes here before the top of the hour will jump in on us. Sheriff Steve Prater is in for Mike. Sheriff Prater, I get a bunch of um, friend requests and messages in my DMs or what is that? What it is, Ruben DMs? Yes. Uh, on a daily basis mm-hmm. from scammers. Right. Um, you know, it's it's men who want to get to know me or whatever mm-hmm. it is because I have right. single woman listed on my my profile. Are we seeing a lot of that? Is this oh, internet scam thing, is it just blowing up? It's everywhere. It's all kind of financial documents or scam texts or anything. But one of the one of the big problems that we have that we're seeing, I've had three acquaintances, I won't call them close friends, but I could name them, uh, three acquaintances, and they a, a good-looking woman will text them, want to be their friend. They develop a relationship online, hadn't seen them. They live somewhere else, and the first thing you know, they're t- talking flirtatiously and then sexual talk, and then the first thing you know, the female has talked them into sending a picture of one of their body parts or something like that. Oh, boy. You can uh, let you decide mm, yeah. what that is. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and then Rhymes the next thing, the woman texts and says, I'm going to send a picture of this body part that you sent me to all of your friend lists unless you send me a thousand dollars oh my this is a very common very common thing i mean it sounds ludicrous but but don't if 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 something sounds too good to be true it's Mm -hmm. it's too good to be true and uh and don't be don't be developing online relationships. You can imagine what our kids are up against now. Mm-hmm. If grown people, if grown men are falling for this scam, can you imagine a 12, 13-year-old? Watch your kids, yeah. for, for goodness sake. And watch I your got kids. an email the other day um, that I had violated a federal law, and it was from the special assistant prosecutor. Yes. Mm. And my court date yeah. was next week at 3.30. It didn't say what day. Well, most people, I would say it's a scam with you, Aaron. I'm not so sure. <laughs> you might ought to check into that. <laughs> but they wanted me to click on these and links and send these documents. They're trying everything they can right. Phone to calls steal from and, you. And it's amazing. They'll say something like, you owe us $50. Bring the cash and meet me in the lobby of the courthouse. 
Now, oh, what, you know, there's dummies that fall for that. Yeah. I shouldn't say dummies because they're voters. Right. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. But, uh, but there are folks that fall for that. Mm-hmm. And don't do that. Please call us. Call me. Call somebody at the sheriff's office, the police department, somebody. But we don't do that. We don't deal with cash. We mm-hmm. don't want cash. And, uh, and, and, and don't, I mean, just use your noggin. Good gracious. Yeah, it just is. Everybody is out there to get your money without working for it or earning it, and they're going to mm-hmm. try to steal it. It's right. sad. And the thing, they'll try 10,000 because it's quick to put out an email like that to 10,000 people. And if they get a half a percent return on that, then they have made a lot of money for no work. Yeah, probably more than you make at your job, a lot of people. Yep. They're making yep. it scamming people. You're right. Sheriff Steve Prater is going to be with us for the 8 o'clock hour. Dr. Lauren Scott coming up at 810. We're going to talk about economy, the economy, and the debt ceiling vote. What does it mean for the nation's economy? That is coming up right here. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. Sheriff Steve Prater is guest hosting today. Well, glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And we are joined by Dr. Lauren Scott. Do y'all know each other, Sheriff? You and Dr. Scott? We have met, but we we don't fish together. Oh, you don't fish together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got a special guest host in here, Dr. Scott. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be with you. Um, The debt ceiling um, bill passed last night late in the Senate. It's passed on the House side in uh, D.C. Now the president's going to sign it. Um, I'm real worried that it's um, the the compromise they reached could do more harm than good. You know more about it. You've been crunching it, I'm sure. What do you see in it that's dangerous? Well, um, candidly, I think uh, we all kind of knew this was going to happen. There was going to have to be a they were going to settle this before they really sent us into a crisis situation. Uh, I think Congress knew how bad it would be if we did not come up with an agreement. Uh, I uh, I think in general it's probably the best we could hope for uh, at this stage, given that we got two very strong uh, opinions, very strong views on both sides. Um, I think we came out with something probably as good as we could. I think it's impressive to me that we have a you know that one of our Congressman down here was one of the lead negotiators in it, Garrett Graves, and I have a lot of confidence in him, as it turns out. He's really helped out uh, the state a lot in his position. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still okay with what they came up with, given the circumstances they had to deal with. But in, in the overall grand scheme of things, I worry about not my children, but my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren that I have none of yet, that how is this country going to keep just – Raising our, our, you know, owing more money, owing more money, never catching up, and keep spending. You're the economist in the room. Uh, how do you, how do we resolve this? Well, uh, like as you say, I have the same opinion. Normally, I would not care. I'm close enough to eternity to not have to worry about it. But I do have grandchildren. That makes me concerned. I think our our basic issue here, uh, if you look at it, if you graph, for example, it's a piece of graph paper. People even know what graph paper is anymore. Take a piece of graph paper and graph what has happened to uh, governmental revenues and governmental spending uh, over time, say, since the 1970s. What you'll discover is our problem is not revenues. Our problem is spending. And starting in the early 80s, during the George Bush Jr. time period, 
uh, we began really spending like drunken sailors and not paying much attention to the to the uh, to the debt, the size of the debt. And uh, matter of fact, the president is surrounded by a group of people who believe in something called uh, the new monetary theory, which basically says debt doesn't matter. Well, I think we've learned now that debt does matter, and the way we're seeing that is it has created so much money out there in the system. Um, Milton Friedman says uh, inflation is just too much money chasing too few goods and services. We have so much money out there that is starting to show up in terms of inflation. And when you got inflation, like what we're experiencing right now, the Federal Reserve has to come in and, and take serious action. And when they do that, that tends to slow the economy down. So I think in the second half of this year, first part of next year, we're going to be paying part of the price for this overspending because we're going to go into a recession and, and people are not going to like that very much. What happens during a recession? The, the interest rates are going to go up. It's going to be harder to buy homes. It's going to be harder. It's going to be harder for the sheriff to go out and buy new patrol cars. And <laughs> the prices of everything is going to be ridiculous, correct? Well, I mean, the good news is the inflation rate has started coming down. The, uh, number one, interest rates have been raised. That's one of the ways that the Fed attacks inflation is by raising interest rates. And re- interest rates have risen quite a bit. They've risen about five full percentage points uh, since the Fed started this program. The Fed is also engaged in something called open market operations. They are taking money out of the system by going to banks and other financial institutions and selling them bonds. They're giving them something that is not money, and they're taking money away from them. They're taking money out of the system. Both of these things are designed to slow the economy down. So what you're going to see going forward is if you sell uh, particularly durable goods, if you sell houses, uh, anything people buy on credit, appliances, television sets, uh, cars, uh, what you're going to find is that... uh, you're, the demand for those things is going to go down because people are going to get, A, worried about losing their job or they're going to lose their jobs. And when they do that, the very first thing they quit buying are durable goods. Uh, and uh, so that's the sector that's going to get hit the most. We're already seeing this, for example, in the housing sector. Housing starts are down significantly. Uh, that is something that you expect during this time period. Now, the good news for Louisiana is that we don't have a lot of durable goods manufacturing in our state. We have no car manufacturers anymore, unfortunately, for Shreveport, of course. We have no car manufacturers. We have no appliance manufacturers. We do have wood producers, and that's going to be a little bit tough on our rural areas. But generally speaking, when the national economy goes into a downturn, Louisiana goes into a downturn. They go to what? It, it, we are hit much less than other states, like our neighbor Mississippi, which has two car manufacturing. If you go over another state, Alabama, which has several car manufacturers and car components manufacturers, those are the states going to get hit really hard. Luckily for us, I think Louisiana is not going to get tapped very hard for this thing. When we get, when we plunged into this recession, how long do you expect it to last? Well, uh, first of all, we've got to be careful with the word plunge because it's not going to be very deep. Uh, most, most people uh, believe, and I do too, there's going to be a relatively short, relatively shallow recession. I think it's going to start in the third quarter of this year and probably last through the first quarter of next year. And then we'll come out of it and start to, to grow, start to grow again. And the reason we'll start to grow again is because the Fed will then, by that time, hopefully inflation will got down in the neighborhood of 3%. That's what people to watch out for here. 
when inflation gets down the neighborhood of the two to three percent, then the Fed is going to start to put putting the brakes on the economy. They're going to start backing off. No more interest rate increases. Uh, no more taking money out of the system, and then the economy will be able to start growing again. Dr. Lauren Scott, let me ask you one more thing for folks that are listening huh? that um, that say, "Well, what are the what are the keys? What are some things I can do now?" to survive that recession. What are your top three takeaways that you, you tell people, you advise people today to get through a recession, you need to do these things? Well, the the main thing is if you are associated with uh, durable goods in any way, the appliance industry, the automobile industry, the housing sector, that sort of thing, you need to store away your acres, okay? You, the winter winter is coming over the next three quarters. So you need to be storing your acres so that you can get through it okay. Uh, I would be cautious in spending, especially long-range spending right now, uh, because, again, we, we believe there's going to be a recession. We believe it's going to be short and shallow, but, you know, the future is uncertain. Uh, I always tell people that forecasting is very easy unless you're talking about the future, and then mm-hmm. it gets tough. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would think that... that those are the kind of the two key things I would watch out for. Uh, and then thirdly, I wouldn't get too, don't get too worried. Don't get too worried. Again, I don't think this is going to be, I don't think it's going to hit Louisiana very hard. I don't really think it's going to hit Shreveport all that hard. Um, and also Shreveport is part of the reason I think Louisiana is going to do okay during this thing. It's not only because we have pure durable goods, but but some of the areas of the state are still recovering from the COVID shutdown, and Shreveport is one of those one of those areas. Shreveport is the last I looked about eighty two percent recovered from what it was the the hit it took in the March of twenty twenty, and I think just the just the recovery of that, and the natural recovery of that, is one of the things that caused Shreveport to probably get through this thing a little bit better than the national economy. Dr. Lauren Scott, Louisiana's premier economist. Thank you for your time and always being available for us. Thank you. Glad to help. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. Sheriff Steve Prater is here. And you know, we haven't talked about the elephant in the room. You've announced you're running for reelection. Right. Uh, you want to be sheriff again. Right. There are rumors you have a prominent opponent possibly running against you. You've heard it. You it's no secret. Um Henry Whitehorn has not announced. He is not saying anything. Are you surprised that the that someone would mount um, what may be a formidable campaign against you? Uh, all I can all I can tell you is what I've done in the past and what I plan to do in the future, and I'm not worried about all the fluff and 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 whatever the word is, all mm-hmm. the these rumors and things like that. I hadn't heard anybody else announce. I'm just running straight straight ahead and fast as I can, hard as I can, like I always have, and take everybody seriously if anybody chooses to run against me. And and, and anybody that says, oh, Prater will see the handwriting on the wall, that uh, folks want to change, and he will, ba- he will bail out of this race. Absolutely not true. You're not a quitter at all, correct? I'm not a quitter, and there's no handwriting on the wall that says that. The handwriting on the wall says Prater's done a good job of leading us, 
Uh, Prater's been the voice out there in the wilderness that's been hollering for what needs to be done. I just need people to follow. And uh, and I'm, I've gotten bolder than I've ever gotten as far as that goes. Uh, I think everybody knows that. And I'm sick and tired of the violent crime that we've had. That's something we can do something about it. And, uh, and I've laid out this 11-point plan. We've got some of it coming into place. We just need some more of it to come into place. And, uh, and that's the handwriting I see on the wall. I'm not worried about these rumors and anybody else that might want to jump in the race. Let them all come. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally, I don't want them to. It'd be easier just to walk in unopposed. Right. But uh, if you think Steve Prater's scared of something, you, you, you don't know Steve Prater. <laughs> right. And you, you've been sheriff 20 years plus. Um, right. You, you do cooperate and you do help patrol in Shreveport. We do so much for the citizens of Shreveport that it, it is that people don't realize. Uh, half of the sheriff's office works at CCC holding felony prisoners that are arrested by the Shreveport Police Department. We protect all of the courtrooms where the cases are tried in Shreveport, the felony cases in the district court. We delivered over 50,000 papers last year in the city of Shreveport, our civil division. We had the narcotics uh, crime, the task force, financial crimes. We work 80% of the financial crimes that occur in Shreveport. The Cattle Parish Sheriff's Office works. We have three people that are assigned to Homeland Security, which is mainly in the city of Shreveport. We have the... we have all of our narcotics people run search warrants. Our SRT team run search warrants all in the city of Shreveport. We patrol the outlying areas with our patrol force. People think that our patrol force could come into Shreveport and take over. We have a total of 45 deputies on patrol. Shreveport has over 300. So, and, and we have to also do the 900 square miles of Caddo Parish in addition to Shreveport. So there's so much. I hadn't even touched on the tip of the iceberg of everything we do for the citizens of Shreveport. We're the SROs. We're the only SROs in the city schools is the Cattle Parish Sheriff's Office. So there's so much that we do that people sometimes they might forget, but the Sheriff's Office is in lockstep with the Shreveport Police Department fighting violent crime. We're on all of the federal task forces. Uh, We have seven deputies that are on different task forces that work in the city of Shreveport. So, uh, and, and we're also... 60 deputies short so you know Mm -hmm. i I could talk i could hold a seminar on what we do in the city of shreveport for the shreveport citizens uh and and we're proud to do it you know it's something we're we're fighting this violent crime and i'm the bold voice of something needs to be done and we are making some progress as a community but more can be done Okay, we're going to turn the clock back when we get back, and we're going to talk about some of the things we did back in the 90s or late 80s when we had similar numbers and what worked and what didn't work. We'll talk to the sheriff about that. Um, We're going to have a a little short segment first, and we might ask him about gizzards again. Who knows? That is all coming up. 1017 FM, 710 Peel. Starting things off looking pretty clear for your early morning drive to work to look out later on this morning for some traffic delays on I-49 northbound near Kings Highway. That's your traffic. I'm Ruben Wright. We're to start off this Friday and then a sunny afternoon with light winds out of the east as the high approaches 91. Tonight, a clear sky with a low dropping down to 70. It will be a sunny start to Saturday, then during the afternoon tomorrow. Scattered showers and thunderstorms may develop as the high gets close to 91. More of the same Sunday, a mix of clouds and sun with a few afternoon thunderstorms popping up as the high reaches the low 90s. I'm Jeff Marr at the Weather Channel. 
of information. Keel News Now. I'm Erin McCarty. Here's your Keel News. Senators on both sides of the aisle have joined the House and voted to pass a measure to raise the U.S. debt ceiling. On this vote, the yeas are 63, the nays are 36, the 60-vote threshold having been achieved. The bill is passed. Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy had some key questions. Defense spending is effectively cut uh, if you take the uh, take inflation. It has the potential to be cut even further in the future. And now the world's a more dangerous place, not a less dangerous place. Just one example of the concerns that are kind of bubbling up. Those have to be addressed. Cassidy and John Kennedy voted against the measure. Members of the LGBTQ community not happy about a bill that would keep teachers from discussing anything about sexual orientation with students. State Representative Dodie Horton says the school curriculum is the only thing that should be taught in the classroom. Opponents say the bill is a solution looking for a problem, and that is not an issue in Louisiana. But Horton cites examples that it is happening and even referred to a teacher in Caddo Parish. A teacher tweeted out she delights in causing confusion in her children when they try to guess what her identity, the teacher's identity is. Delights in the confusion. Yes, it's an issue. The bill is now headed to the Senate for what could be final passage. Another delay for the former Shreveport police officer accused of killing a local resident earlier this year. The arraignment for former officer Alexander Tyler has been delayed until July 24th. This is the fourth such delay. Tyler's accused of killing Alonzo Bagley in February at the Villa Norte Apartments when Bagley was running away from the officers. Bagley was not armed. Tyler's charged with negligent homicide. He resigned from the force. Will he veto or not? Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault has made a decision on the casino smoking ordinance. The council voted last week to lift the ban on smoking at the two casinos in Shreveport, Bally's and Samstown. Now we know the mayor has decided not to veto the measure and smoking will be allowed in the two Shreveport casinos. The mayor says there are sufficient votes on the council to override any veto, but the measure goes into place without his signature, and he will watch the casino revenues over the coming months to see if things change. From 101.7 FM and 710 Keel, I'm Reuben Wright. Orleans Parish DA Jason Williams says he's considering getting into the governor's race. Gambit political commentator and columnist Clancy DeBose says if he's serious, we should know well before qualifying in August if he's to be considered a formidable candidate. And by then, in fact, long before then, he should have a committee together with a campaign structure and be raising money. With Sean Wilson, the only Democrat in the race so far, DeBose says he imagines he's not very happy to hear Williams could be jumping in. The Senate Education Committee's okayed a couple of bills to ease vaccine requirements for K-12 through students. One measure would prohibit COVID-19 vaccinations as a condition of enrollment at any public or private K-12 through school. Another bill would mandate schools to have exemptions for any type of vaccines for students already enrolled. Colleges and universities are not included in these measures. A 14-year-old boy spells a word that only sand researchers would know and wins the national spelling bee. Dev Shaw of Largo, Florida spelled out a word with Greek roots and connected to organisms in sand. P-S-A-M-M-O P-H-I-L-E, Samophile. That is correct. Shaw did not make it out of the regional last year, but got through it this year for his third try at the title. I'm Erin McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel.
1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Sheriff Steve Prater is in for Mike. And um, this is a little short segment here, but I, I we talked about you love uh, chicken gizzards earlier. I was curious, too. I, I don't know this about you. Um, but I see you at a crawfish boil, you know, once a year. I see you at a couple of events. Um, are you a pretty decent cook? Mm, not not really. Not okay. really. I cook. I'm like a lot of times you hear about the guy that'll cook outside sometimes. I'll do that sometimes. But, okay. But it's just not worth it, all the prep and all the cleanup and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I, it's just uh, so I would say I'm less than... Less than average. Okay. If you had to, let's say you have to cook fettuccine Alfredo, you you have to do it or it's life and death. Right. You could do it. If you had to, you'd have to yeah, Google I, yeah, it or I something. Could, I would do it. I can follow directions. I'm a direction <laughs> guy. You know, I'm following instructions to a point, you know. If you tell me to stand in this line, I'll stand there until, right. the, until the sun comes up. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, fettuccine wouldn't be a problem if it's spelled out pretty easy and there's not a lot of numbers involved in it. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, yeah. But you're not winning, you're stuff. not going to win a cooking show. No, absolutely not. Not no, happening. No, no. Okay. I admire people that can do that, cook jambalize and things. Oh, I yeah. I'm not going to do that. You can grill, and that's about the extent of it. Yeah. Okay. Right. I want to talk to you about crime, and we see all the numbers about homicides, but we have an issue with um, shootings. Right, people, people fire not. Can we do that when we get back? Sure. Okay. Sure. We're going to do that next, right here. Okay, we have to kick him out now. He's got to go. I couldn't. Did you tell hear what you he who, just said? I, I couldn't tell you who played the Super Bowl. He's he doesn't watch the Super Bowl. Me and Prater have some common ground. Yes. <laughs> Ruben's favorite sport is supermarket sweep. <laughs> <laughs> they got the reruns on Netflix. I watch them all the time. <laughs> you don't watch any sports, huh? Mm. Typically, you want to be out there doing it. Mm-hmm. Were you an athlete growing up? Yeah, in high school, wasn't, okay, wasn't that good. Uh, went to Northwood and and, and uh, played what? Uh, football. Yeah, football. Okay. Yeah, I tried basketball one time. Coach said my center of gravity was too low, <laughs> and uh, I'd fouled out the first quarter. <laughs> you know, I'd run into people. And oh God! Uh, let me. We were talking off the air a little bit ago, but you know the crime problem in Shreveport. We have. Uh, we're at, I think, 32 murders or homicides for the year. But we have a bigger problem than murders. Right. We have a lot of shootings. Right. People don't... I mean, if you don't if you don't die, you don't make the deadliest zip code list. But think of all the people that were shot and, and uh, lose a limb or paralyzed or something serious. And those are just as much... I mean, if you get shot near, say... Uh, LSU Medical Center or Oshner's, if you get shot near there, you're probably going to make it. If you get shot out in Southern Hills and you got to be transported, you might not. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of... there's People need to look at the numbers of shootings that we have and 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 it would scare you. It really would. It would... It would, and not that we need scaring, but we need to be awake. We need these things and these issues studied. If if COVID took the number of people that were shot and killed in Shreveport, Louisiana, if COVID took that number, we would be studying COVID like uh, like 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 banshees. We would be going after what's causing it. What can we do? What? But what do you have about about crime? We have somebody shot on a weekend and makes the news, and then you turn the page, and the next day somebody else gets shot, and nobody's putting it all together. We are lacking 
a, a we are lacking a real study of what's going on with violent crime. You, the police, we're catching the people. Okay, we're catching them. Now, what are the common denominators? And that's we got to get smarter about crime than we ever have. We need our universities involved in this. We need somebody to come up and, and just demand answers. Study it like it's an epidemic that it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's missing. There are some things that we can do at the police level. Uh, we can be as aggressive as we can of stopping people and, uh, and, and doing more of that, but we have more resistance every time we stop somebody. But there's things at the, at the local level that we've done that I've done in the past that have shown that you can make a difference. We, you have spent a lot of time criticizing the Justice Reinvestment Act and how um, it put violent criminals back on the street, though they claimed it would not. What happened in that was that some of the people that were released, their violent crime was pled down to a lesser crime. Right. Was that a big part of the problem in some of those? There's many problems with justice reinvestment. Now, there, i got to say there's some good things because we need, anytime you can look at a system and change, some of it, some of it needs to be changing. But we let violent criminals out earlier than we ever have. And to say that you, the law plainly says that we are going to let violent criminals out at 65% of their sentence once they've served it. And and so to to say that we didn't re- reduce the time violent criminals spend, there's so many sentencing changes and laws that we need to look at and at least let the public know what's going on. Uh, recently we had one two nights ago, I think, somebody that shot his brother. Mm-hmm. And this person had pled to a year in jail. Okay, he's had three years in jail, two of them suspended. One year he had to serve, credit for time served. He got out uh, like four months early, and then all of a sudden he and his brother get in a fight and he kills his brother. Well, I realized that he had gotten out early on a burglary charge, but the truth of the matter is if if he had served what the people were told he was going to serve, he would have still been in jail. But the big problem, Sheriff, is that he thought it was okay to solve his problem by shooting his brother. Okay. You and I aren't doing that. Right. And that goes back to what I just said about we've got to take this problem and look at it and not say, not say, Sheriff Prater, what are you going to do about violent crime? we got to take it as a community and say, what are the churches going to do? What are the universities going to do about studying? What's the DA going to do about prosecution? What's the judges going to do about helping us with justice reinvestment? The legislature, the governor, the mayor. We've got to come together and everybody realize that we, there's things that we can do. But all we do is have a bunch of finger pointing and get people in a room and, and nobody's willing to say, hey, we might could do that a little better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, what's, that's what's so aggravating, and that's why I've gotten bold in saying that, and that's why I'm saying this 11-point plan, if you belong to any of these agencies or organizations or communities or anything and you're not doing your part, then don't bitch about violent crime unless you're willing to stand up to the table and, 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 or sit at the table, whatever you might want to say. And uh, I apologize for being I'm just so passionate about this and my job. Mm-hmm. And there's knowing there's things we can do and knowing there's people that are not willing to do it, it just pisses me. It aggravates me. <laughs> Beep that out. I hope you were able to, on the delay, cut, the, cut that word out. Well, he's getting a little fired up. But I also, you also get, have to get fired up about um, young children. Uh, we're seeing as young as 12 and 13 and committing these violent crimes. And we have, what is it, 25 beds or 24 beds at our juvenile lockup. Right. And nobody has done anything to increase that, it doesn't seem. We had meetings. We had a task force. 
Um, and and they're having to scramble at juvenile court. Who are we gonna let out today? Right. We don't we don't have sufficient space for for juveniles. And plus, now with raise the age, somebody that's seventeen is considered a juvenile. And so we've got at CCC, we've got 17-year-olds over there that are considered juveniles that are supposed to be held out of sight and sound of adults. And it creates a real problem for a short staff that we have out there. So my hat's off to the people at CCC, the deputies that have to work out there in these conditions. We have over 1,000 people there today awaiting trial. So if we have over a thousand awaiting trial, Aaron, can you imagine how many are out in Shreveport, Louisiana, that are on bond? Mm. If we've got a, I mean, let that soak in. We need you need to look beyond the surface. Instead of just looking at homicides, look at all the shootings. Instead of just looking at the numbers awaiting trial, look at all the people that are out on bond and all the backlog of cases. There are things that we can do. It's going to be turning the old adage about turning the ship around in the Red River. You know, mm-hmm. it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some heavy lifting. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot to come. One more segment with the sheriff. We will talk more with Sheriff Steve Prater when we get back. 101.7 FM. I'm about to ask the sheriff this question: How to break the law? <laughs> I don't know if it's the law. No, it's not the law. You're right. You're right. <laughs> 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty. Sheriff Steve Prater is here with us. Uh, in for Mike. Um, got a cruise planned for later this year, and I'm and I'm I'm a cheapskate, as you may or may not know. I'm a pretty ch- big cheapskate. Um, they have they sell a drink unlimited alcohol package for fifty nine bucks a day. Okay. I don't drink that much. Okay. You know, I drink every, I'll drink drink one or two drinks a day, maybe. But I do want to have a little alcohol, and the drinks sell for 12 or 15 bucks a pop. So I'm trying trying to figure out how can I avoid that. So I'm thinking of sneaking alcohol on the cruise ship. Okay. And I need your advice. Okay. What's the best way to do that so it won't get caught in one of those scans or checks? They say they can see with those scan machines, they can see liquid. But if okay. I, like, put it in a shampoo bottle? Yeah, but that's, well, yeah, you could take a, take Clean a pretty good, good bit in a big shampoo. But then, I mean, you got to fly with it. And, of course, <laughs> you could check it. You could do yeah. that and put it in your bag and stuff. I don't know, but, but what about if you went the opposite way? Mm-hmm. What if you, instead of... Uh, instead of avoiding paying it, go ahead and pay the fifty nine a day. Okay, but then get something like a catheter bag or something <laughs> and steal the liquor <laughs> to take home with me. To take home, and then when you get home, you have ended up with much more than the six hundred dollars worth of liquor because oh. you've had all these bags of liquor that you've stolen. <laughs> so anyway, you just tell me to think steal? outside it's the just box. A, it's just a lifetime supply. Oh. I mean, you're paying for it, so it's not technically stealing. Yeah, right. if I pay fifty nine a day, I can have as much as I want. Right, pay, pay fifty nine right. and get yourself a hundred dollars worth of liquor a day. I just want to yeah. go up to the bar and go. I want an iced tea glass of Bailey's. Yeah, no ice. Right, and, and then, then I go back and, and funnel the Bailey's into my right. Just, just the bags don't get, don't confuse and don't put scotch in the Bailey's bag. Yeah, whatever yeah. you mean. <laughs> You know, it wouldn't be. You would have lost your investment. But uh, could you do a? Have you ever done a cruise? 
No, never done a cruise. Don't plan to ever do a cruise. Why? Because it, it, it you'd hem me up. I don't want to be hemmed up somewhere. Oh. Uh, I don't like that. And That uh, would be... I'm a little worried about that for me. I'm a little... We, yeah, once you're out in the middle of the ocean, there's right, no... I wouldn't... You, they'd have to get a helicopter to come and get you. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it, Aaron, but I, I sure damn sure wouldn't do it. Uh, don't worry about it, but don't do it. <laughs> yeah, don't do it, Aaron. If, I'm telling you, you're going to start, what do they call jonesing when you get you out have there. have a panic gonna, attack? Yes, you're going to have a panic attack, and oh. you're going to hate it. So don't, I want you to enjoy your trip, but just know that you're not going to enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Did he> just, <laughs> I do I do not like to be hemmed up. I do have an issue with Aaron, that. And you're making a big mistake. <laughs> oh, no. You are. Can Now's you, the time to bail. Can you can you prepare the, to send the helicopter to get me, please? Well, the only way is to go ahead and pay your money and drink all you can and don't oh, worry about it. Oh, just stay plastered. Yeah, because, just, yeah. Right. It's either that or you're going to take some kind of drugs or something. <laughs> and some... The sheriff just told me to steal alcohol, stay plastered, or take drugs. Right. I love that's this a, sheriff. That's the only way you're going to make <laughs> okay. it. I'm telling you. 1017 FM 710.